What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, this is Pia Baranchini, and welcome to Everything is the Best, the podcast where I get vulnerable and make others do it with me. The goal here is to deep dive into interesting people's journeys, finding common denominators, and hopefully making you feel not so alone. So let's laugh, let's cry, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Hello, my darling. Deepka is a vibrant, charming, inspiring woman to say the least. She's a South Asian beauty entrepreneur whose career took off after a video went viral of her using red lipstick to cover dark circles under her eyes. A trick specific to her skin tone, which instantly resonated with millions of people. Growing up in Texas, she was a far cry from her blonde hair, blue eyed peers and spent years dyeing her hair and wearing contacts. So of course, it became Deepka's dream to see women who look like her represented in the beauty industry. She became a beauty blogger and while going to school and working, started Live Tinted as a diverse online community, which after just a year became a clean, vegan, cruelty-free beauty brand. This was such a fun conversation. I just absolutely fell in love with her and I cannot wait to see what her future holds. Very excited about this episode. Please enjoy. Okay, great. Hi. <laughs> We did it! <laughs> Welcome to this Zoom meeting with me. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I like your sexy voice. I wish I could. I wish, well, for multiple reasons, I wish we were doing this in person. But one, because I would just love to see your skin in person. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm having a good skin January. At least something's going well this month, you know? So, That's nice. Did you do anything yeah. different? Um, I, well, I think I decided to go into January telling myself to just let go of shit. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that knowing that egg freezing is happening for me right now and I'm, I'm going through the process of fundraising and all this stuff. I just was like, the small things cannot be a thing. You're doing both of those things simultaneously. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm also looking to hire like a president, the biggest hire we have in our company. And like, uh, Oh, I, I moved to a new city there because, you know, doing things like at 50% would be crazy. <laughs> and it's like, Wait, where did you move to? So I left LA and came back to Texas. Oh yeah. God, everyone is migrating to Texas. Great migration. So my family's, in, I grew up in Texas my yeah. whole life. 
Um, so that made it like easier, but I am still figuring out my family lives in Houston. Austin is where I feel like is the place to be. And I don't ever want to do anything again in my life because it's the thing to do. But but Austin's awesome. Yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm doing just month to month leases and just, you know, like the benefit and the privilege I feel like I have of being able to do that. I'm like, I'm going to do that. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, doing mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. My God. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a big deal to not. I feel like also I only live in LA because I grew up here. Like I live in my parents. House. Like I live where I grew so up. so different. That's what I always tell people. I wouldn't be in LA otherwise. LA is only home if it was ever home. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it is a deeply lonely place that I realized I, I was so busy working that it didn't hit me. And then the second things slowed down, I wasn't at events or fancy dinners and things like that. I was like, wow. You're just like in West Hollywood in an apartment. <laughs> when you're like in West Hollywood in your apartment, it's like crickets. It's like, I've ordered way too many bottles of wine in this place alone. So it was time to go. Yeah. Was I time. love Texas. We often talk about that that is like a Texas and, and I think like North Carolina are like two. Yeah or two places that would be very down to move. Okay. So you grew up, let's get into this. You grew up in Tejas. I grew up in Tejas. I was the brown girl surrounded by a squad. I was just about to say. (laughs) Yeah, A lot of blonde hair around me. But it was actually like, you know, when I love doing things like this because it gives you like a, a perspective and a reflection on like, I wouldn't be where I am. I mean, now that I think about it, the whole like inspiration for my entire brand and career was that lived in experience of growing mm-hmm. up surrounded by blonde hair, blue eyes, and then turning on the TV and seeing that exact same thing in the media and seeing this standard of beauty that I was just like, wow, I changed everything about myself. I got, I dyed this black hair blonde. I got mm-hmm. the blacks and wanted to look like what I saw. I, I, I did all the crazy diets and wanted to be a size zero and, and now I feel like it's my life purpose to sort of change that exact sort of identity crisis I went through for young people growing up today with my brand. What did your family think about that as you were dyeing your hair blonde and putting context in? Was your mom like, hello? <laughs> I think that my parents are very, very Indian parents. And so I think in their brain, they were struggling themselves about how to handle the duality that they knew their daughter was feeling being Indian American and not knowing if she was too Indian or not Indian enough. Mm-hmm. And like, cause you were so, born here, right? I was born in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. But then like, they didn't know like, Oh, maybe this is just normal and we want her to feel normal. So like, let's let of her. Course. Do yeah. You don't know. There's no training book for being a Brown immigrant in Texas. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just remember I did all these things that like, I was so embarrassed of my parents growing up. My mom had, she still does have this thick Indian accent. And now I'm just like, man, my, parents and my culture is dope. And I, I'm so happy. I finally am here, but it took 30 years. (laughs) How funny is it? So many white girls try to be, um, ethnic and cultural. Yeah. It's ironic is I guess the word. Um, it's funny because I hid it. I hid it from them my whole life. And then Mm -hmm. now, you know, when we launched Lip Tinted, our first party, I had it be a holy themed party, which is like the festival. I saw that was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, but I would have never thought I would have done that, you know, like growing up. And so it's dope and it feels good. And it also makes me excited about like what the next generation of kids are like when you have a kid, like Mm -hmm. who who do they get to be in this world? I mean, hopefully anything. 
And where did you, did you go to school in Texas? Did you go to college in Texas? Universe. I, I like don't, I didn't plan this, but this is the oh. long color, burnt orange. Um, I went to University of Texas in Austin. So fun. <laughs> it was really fun. That's what it was. That's the perfect word to describe mm-hmm. it. But I was always a girl who had big dreams, bigger, what I thought were bigger dreams than Texas. Yeah, of course. So being in Austin, even for college felt really, um, like I felt like it was slowing me down. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm supposed to be in New York city being an Indian Carrie Bradshaw. Like that's the kind of mentality I had. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really fun. And I, I was a marketing major and my whole plan in college was I'm going to go work at L'Oreal and be a brand manager and then go to Harvard business school, make my parents really happy and then start my own beauty brand. And so I always knew since I was 16 years old, having this lived in experience of going down beauty aisles and not seeing myself that like one day I was going to create this brand that like changed that narrative. And here I am. Did you do that exact? Did you go to Harvard? (laughs) Um, So what happened was I, while I was working, so right after college, I did a brief stint at Victoria's Secret Corporate. um, Mm -hmm. And my whole goal was to get to New York City. And then I got there. I worked for a company called Birchbox. It was yeah. uh, at the time, it was like the hottest and first beauty subscription company. And the founders both went to HBS. And so I was like, okay, this is my way in. They're going to teach me everything they know. They're going to write my um, recommendation letter. And while I was like going through the application process, like I was t- studying for like, you know, everything and, and all the like, GMATs and everything, um, I had a video go viral on YouTube. And I used a red lipstick under my eyes to mask dark circles. And I filmed this on my iPhone. And it was the second video I had ever posted on YouTube. And BuzzFeed picked it up and it went viral. And I remember I got a call from the Today Show when the video was at like 4 million views. And I just remember thinking, Deepika, this could either be a really dope 15 minutes of fame in your life, or you could take this moment. A launch pad. Your dream career. Yeah. That's what uh. I did. Isn't that just so, isn't life just unbelievable? Who would have thought picking up a <laughs> lipstick, an iPhone, rubbing it under my eyes like a crazy person and here I am. Like, you know, it's like, I just think everything truly happens how it's supposed to because you, I would have never guessed that that one experience would have, I think now back to it and I'm like, I can't believe you thought you could just quit your job because of that. Like, yeah. no clue how the next paycheck was coming, but I just had this gut feeling of like, you were meant the same way. I was like, you were meant to do something greater than blah, blah, blah. Like I felt like I was going to be the Indian Hoda. Like I felt like I was going to go on the Today Show and be yeah. the first brown girl to be able to do the damn thing on national television. So then the brown girl growing up now would see herself. Mm-hmm. She would see someone who wasn't a size zero, blonde hair, blue eye girl. And then think maybe I could do that. Isn't when- it unbelievable though that first of all, good on you for following your intuition because most people don't do that and they get lost in their plan and then lose the sole purpose of their soul. Yeah. And second of all, isn't it crazy that like, it's not crazy that that video went viral because how many women were like, Oh my God, we have the same skin tone. That's what I need to do. And nobody was talking about it. So you just tapped on millions, like millions of women were like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I remember when I started this business, I would talk about that. And they were like, it's not a big enough of an audience. I was like, there's 2 billion just <laughs> South Asian people in the world. That's not big enough. And like, I always found it to be so interesting how these like VC data people 
make their decisions. And there's not a human aspect to it enough. It's mm-hmm. always very calculated. And I do think you need the perfect balance between data and analytics and just gut to like be able to create a strong business. So I went with my gut. So at what point did you, I mean, logistically, actually I have another question first. Okay. Because I don't want to forget it. You are extremely outgoing, confident, happy. I mean, it's almost like, I would say like your vibe is very Texas in <laughs> like friendly, outgoing, life of the party, fun, like confident, that whole yeah. thing. Yeah. So you're emulating this like amazing environment that you did grow up in. But I also know that there is a very fucked up side to a lot of our country, especially being in a state like Texas. And so I know, and some people are just born with these types of personalities. I was too. And so it's it's not really a lot you can explain, but like, how did you overcome and not become like a mean, bitter, pissed off, resentful person for I'm sure the microaggressions that you were getting probably on a daily basis? I think the immigrant narrative is so real and watching my dad go from being like literally a farmer in India to coming here. And truly when I think he worked at Arby's and then, and then just worked his way to paycheck by paycheck, making it so he could provide for my family and me. And now that I know what, like my father, like what he made and the value of money at this stage of my life that I didn't understand growing up, I learned this insane work ethic from my dad Mm -hmm. that just made me realize like, working hard wasn't, it wasn't an option. It was, it was like, it was a passage of life. Like you had to do it. And then my mom, on the other hand, was the one who taught me the importance of being business savvy and being somebody who was relatable and networking and how much your network can do for you. So That's so cool. Your mom taught you that. She's a bad bitch. Yeah. And, And it's cool because not in your conventional way, like she's not the, you know, she's not a doctor. She's not a lawyer. She's a queen networker. And that I think has gotten me farther in my career than anything like book smarts versus street smarts. Like you need to have both to start a business, but I would argue that street smarts can get you if you had way further, way further. I have this, I had this conversation with my girlfriend started an olive oil cake company called bomb ass olive oil, little house confections. Mm-hmm. And she, I called her the other day and she's like, I have to put it together inserted by accident. Cause she's like a fucking marketing yeah, genius. Every influencer on the gram is eating her cake. Everyone. And it was a full accident. Like she doesn't have, like she had like a private Instagram account. And she was like, well, I went to baking school a few years ago. Like let me make some cakes. But we were talking about it because she was like, dude, I have to do like the fucking, I have to like do projections for next year, like on the business side of stuff. And I was like, I was like, I don't know how to do any of that. She's like, I don't either, dude. Like when you can't Google hire someone. so powerful. I was like, just Google it. And, and she was like, it makes me realize that like, I'm so smart and like, it's okay that I'm not good at this. And like, thank God I didn't go to business school and like drown out my light. That, that light that makes me want to move forward and come up with ideas and network and meet people. And I always say this and I'm so happy you brought it up and I'll stop talking because networking is so fucking important. And that doesn't mean social climbing. That yeah. means being a nice person, yeah. talking to other people, asking what they do, figuring yeah. out who works where, understanding ladders, understanding systems. And also like, people can smell bullshit. I've always felt this totally. way. Like, people around me, it's like, you need to be genuinely interacting with people and engaging with them in a way where you are your full self, because if you're fake, people, people can smell it, you know? I recognize the relationships I have in my life that are, that have really, one of them, I feel like, and this is going to sound like a name drop, but I, I think back to my story a lot now that I'm like, 
going through the process of doing a book and stuff. And I'm like, the fact that I had the balls to go up to Jessica Alba in a hotel lobby when I was in New York City at some random hotel, because I knew that she was starting a beauty brand and I was newly a beauty influencer. And there was a connection there that we could help each other. Not in a, hey, I'm your number one fan. I love your movie XYZ. It was like, hey, I think you're a badass businesswoman and I have some thoughts on your new Honest Beauty lip balm and blah, 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 blah. That genuine contact information Mm -hmm. has created this relationship where she has been nothing but an incredible mentor for me to this day. And I think the difference is it's how you approach somebody and the intent behind how you do it. And Absolutely. so I think that's just important for people to know because we, we can sit here and say networking is so important and people wonder, okay, well then what, how am I supposed to go do it? It's like your intention behind how you approach people is everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, okay. So this video goes viral. Yes. I'm quitting video my job. Viral. I quit my job at Birchbox. I'm now a full-time beauty influencer. My parents are like, what's a beauty influencer? (laughs) You know what's so cool? I remember when I quit my job, I flew back to Texas. I did not tell my parents because as typical immigrant parents, again, this is, I know I recognize this is a privilege, but they, I know would be concerned about how they could help me monetarily. And I didn't want to take a dime from them. I wanted to, they've already provided so much for me in my life. And so I didn't tell them. And I remember I came home And my dad told me to come into the study. And I was like convinced I was being shipped to India and going to (laughs) arrange marriage. Like life is over. Nice run, Deepika. Um, And I go into the study room and my dad hands me a check. And he's like, don't think of this as me giving my daughter money. Think of this as me investing in a business I believe in. And I like lost it, man. I was so dramatic. I like tore up the check and I was like, (laughs) I didn't need the money. I just needed to know that you supported me. Like having your support behind me, just even on an emotional level as a daughter of an immigrant, like that is the fuel I needed to know. Like, you can do this. Like you can do this. And I, again, I I feel like I have to say, I recognize it as a privilege, but I also recognize that like, it is really hard for an Indian father to say that when he is terrified. I think about it a lot now with my dad. I'm like, I cannot believe you just let me, you gave me that confidence in myself to keep doing this. And I, and that's exactly what kept me going. And honestly, for three years, I played my own assistant, manager, agent, producer, you know, creative director, all the things I had to do to figure this out. Like, you know, I had a fake assistant at email that went directly to me. Um, <laughs> you just had a, a fake classic, classic, <laughs> classic. They asked me what my day rate was. I set a number. They confirmed it in seconds. I was like, shit, I could have done three X that like, and then, I you do that too. <laughs> and then you just learn, you just know, making it up as I go, make it up as you go. And then my plan was always to start this brand. It was just a matter of like when and how. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember I got, I think at this point, after three years, I had done everything I felt like my purpose was as a, as a South Asian beauty influencer, where I felt like I was sort of tokenized as like the brown girl in all these like MAC campaigns, L'Oreal yeah. campaigns, which was, by the way, as icky as it was, it was also incredible because growing up again, like to be in a L'Oreal commercial, like that is like wild to me to think that they're, again, the same narrative of somebody seeing themselves represented is an incredible thing. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there was a whole squad of brown girls who were like on the come up and really wanting that same sort of recognition and would ask me for advice all the time. And I was just like, wow, like 
you all should be doing this over me. And I just, I feel like I have a opportunity to create a home and a space so all of you can continue to come up and, and yeah. buy. That was what excited me way more. And so Live Tinted launched in January of 2018 as a community platform where I just wanted people to come together and see themselves reflected. So every day we would just post different people from all different backgrounds to tell their story. Because mm-hmm. simply like sharing people's stories helps other people recognize they're not alone. Yeah. Like what you're doing with this podcast, right? And so like I I felt like it was really important to start that way. And when we first launched our very first product, it was very much like a I didn't want to assume what the community wanted us to create. Mm-hmm. Just because I had this viral video using a red lipstick under my eyes three years ago, did the market already self-correct it? And is there already a dark circle solution in the market? Like I would have assumed yes. But we just, again, simply asked the community what it is they wanted to see. And they said that they still didn't have a dark circle solution. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of this like no brainer. Three years ago, I had this viral video. Three years later, this audience is saying we still need a solution. Let's create it. Mm-hmm. And we did. Listening YouTube. to an audience. People don't do that. People <laughs> sit in a room, like four people sit in a room and try to pretend like they know what people want. I mean, and, and like, it's brilliant. Like all this market research on data when there's like an Instagram poll that does. The <laughs> I always say that too. I'm like, just ask people. <laughs> Mind blowing, really. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. And I think that's just it is like, why wouldn't I ask the audience that we want to hopefully buy this product what they want? And I remember we had some retailer discussions. You know, I never wanted this brand to be dictated by anyone besides the voice of myself and the people who also felt like they were left out of the beauty narrative. And, and that's what we did when and we're continuing to do to build products one by one, really curated products that um, hopefully cater to people who never saw themselves seen in the beauty industry. Hi, I'm Shanae Alexander, host of Press Send, a podcast and more importantly, a safe and hilarious place for candid conversations about the scary, funny, heartbreaking, but always intriguing questions that make us all human. Each week, me and a new best friend you haven't met yet field your questions across any and all topics and offer our take on the matter with plenty of humor, heart, and badassery along the way. We launch a new episode of Press Send every Wednesday. We'll see you there. How did you launch that product? Like in terms of logistics, were you alone? Was it like just you still running this whole thing at the time? Like, were, did you, yeah. was did you trying to figure out how to do product development? Did you raise money? Like, how did that fucking work? Well, this goes back to that whole network thing we were talking about. So when I was like ready to do this, I essentially like, when I was at Birchbox, I did some product development there at the very end. Because once I started up that company, I made it very clear to the founders, like, I think this is the benefit of a startup. And if anyone is working at a startup, make sure to like raise your hand and say, Hey, these are my interests because they have the full benefit of helping you get to those benefits, totally. your goals. And so I always try to do that even with employees at my company. You'll work harder too, if you're doing what you want at the company. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like, you, why wouldn't you want to provide opportunity for people to do what they want to do? If, if you can, if it's mm-hmm. possible. So I, I did some product development there. And then once I was ready to do this, I was approached by a man who wanted me to start a company with him. Um, really nice man. It was a white, it was a white man. And I, I remember he told me like, you could be the face of my brand and I'll give you 10% of the company. And I just had this like pit in my stomach and thinking like, wow. So another white man is going to run the company that I dreamt of building since I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. That's a narrative I've heard a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want that to happen again. 
And so in my family, I have all doctor cousins. I have a lot of first cousins, 25 plus first cousins, and they're all doctors. Minus one of my cousins who was like my Harvard cousin. And he was, he's like one of the, a huge feminist in my life. And I've, I've always seen him as somebody who was encouraging me to like think bigger and tell me not to just go be a doctor because all of our other cousins were doing it. And I, I tapped into him and I was like, I really want to do this. And this guy's telling me to do it with him. What do you think? Blah, 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 blah. And he basically was like, why don't we do it together? And it was really full circle because he's also the person who, when I was at Birchbox, I remember before Birchbox, when I was working at Limited Brands, I was always an entrepreneur in mind. And I remember being like, I saw Shoe Dazzle, the company where you can like get uh, shoes sent to you, curated, whatever. And I was like, why doesn't this exist for the beauty industry? I remember calling him up and being like, let's start it. And I bought this URL for makeuptrunk.com thinking I was starting this innovative beauty model where you got beauty products sent to your door and him and I were like going to do it together. And then he called me and he was like, by the way, it's called Birchbox and it exists. And it was like, if you can't beat him, join him thing. But it's just really full circle now, whatever many years later that we, you know, who, who can you trust more than your family? It's also terrifying because of that same reason, right? I care about him at such a deep level, but it, it somehow worked out. And, but at the same time, he's never built a beauty brand either. And, you know, it's actually a really cool feeling to start a company with your cousin who your whole life you've seen as this incredibly smart person and recognize that you both equally need each other to make this business happen. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was really cool. And it still is really cool. We still work together. And what we're doing now is just fully tapping into our networks to make it fi- figure it out. Like, one of my mentors um, used to be the head of EOS, and she introduced us to our product development person and our operations person and the manufacturers we work with. And then one by one, you just, you know, our paid Mm -hmm. marketing person, our social person, you just figure it out. How many people do you have now? We have five full-time people. Wow. um, I know we're so, it's, it's crazy. This time we're projected. It's crazy because I just did my like financial model for five (laughs) and we're going to three exit that by the end of the year, like the, there's, there should be 12 to 15 people on this team full time by the end of this year. Um, and yeah, it's crazy though. The model has kind of shifted full time versus contract. We have eight contract employees that like, you know, do product development operations, uh, PR, all those things, but it's really exciting. It used to scare the shit out of me because I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a first time CEO and it's, it's yeah. really scary and people management and and developing people's careers is terrifying because you want to do the best. Like people have chosen to grow their lives with your company is, is a huge responsibility that I don't. Especially now the way that people like tear down bosses. If you say like one thing that's wrong, you're like, uh, (laughs) cancel culture is real. What I've realized though, with hiring again, we've gone slower than, you know, what we, what, 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 I'm so happy to hear you have five employees by the way, because Sorry to interrupt because like 10 no. years ago when I was working for like a last big fashion brand, like VCs wouldn't give you money unless you had a certain amount of employees. It was like so fucked up. So it was like people were constantly over hiring. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was at that. Like that's exactly how Birchbox was. It was just like, I, I saw the, what the VC model can do to companies. And it's like, but I still think like what they've built is like they started an entire category in this industry with subscription businesses. But what I also saw through that and friends companies that are startups that were so heavily VC funded was decision-making that wasn't actually what the founders wanted to happen Uh because they were feeding a beast. And like, I think that is something that I made very clear. And so when we did do fundraising, we didn't do a lot of fundraising. 
Um, we initially started with a ton of angel checks with a ton of, honestly, basically I went back to that same network of really strategic people who have built their own businesses like the Bobby Browns of the world and the class passes of the world who have built in completely different industries that I could just tap into for advice more than money mm-hmm. and got checks from them and kind of just um, slowly grew. And, and now I'm going through the formal fundraising process. And, and through that, I feel fortunate that we have the control and power to pick a partner who will continue to let us grow slow and grow profitably rather than just continuing to grow and then biting ourselves in the ass. It's such a relief to hear that because it's, it kind of goes against like this, like American model of like fast and now, which we are yeah, fortunate. You know, realized, you know what I realized is like, this has been my dream and this is a new realization. Um, this has been my dream since I was 16 years old and I'm living it out in real time. What am I rushing? Totally. What am I rushing for? Why am I so focused on this exit? Why aren't I enjoying this journey? Like I just had a call with three major retailers. Like what? Like Deepika, you used to go into every one of these retailers, never seeing yourself reflected. And then your product by choice is going to be in one of those stores. And it's just like, why isn't that enough? Good on you because people don't do that because it's like, because as a woman now you need to be like interesting, pretty smart fit, but not too fit that you're like, you know, making people feel like you're too thin. And then you also need to be able to um, produce children quickly and not have reproductive issues and then somehow start and sell like a Fortune 500 company by the time you're like 35. By the way, don't you feel like if it's no longer, if you're not a billion dollar business, you're not a bit like, it's like the number was so heightened that I was like, since when was a hundred million dollar business or a fifty million dollar business a shitty scenario? It's like we're fighting for these headlines because one. And everyone wants you know what really pisses me off, and I think really fucked up this whole thing was the Forbes thirty under thirty list because it was Comfy. like everybody felt like they needed to be. Which by the way, you can like pay to get on that list. Like yeah. you have a friend put you on that from someone yeah. from the year before. It's all about who you know, and I actually I remember. When I, when I was 29, it was when I was literally in the heat of starting this company. I completely forgot to like to do the window because by the way, when you're building a company, you're not thinking about that. You have your head down mm-hmm. and you're just working. And I remember missing that window. And if I'm being super honest, I had like such a pit in my stomach because I felt like that is something that you're supposed to do as the next thing in your life to, to make it. And it's such bullshit. And not to, not to discredit anyone who's ever gotten it. I know people like that. That's like dreams. I do too, of course. But, but it doesn't mean that yeah. you have to be on that to be successful. And that is what we need to change. We need to change this idea of like this. Of course, headlines are incredible. And they honestly make you feel good about the hard work you're putting in. But you're not defined by that. And, and how crazy is it that you can have a multi-million dollar business, but still not a multi-million dollar profitable business and still be fighting for that next high and win. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's a social media thing probably, which I'm like totally against like talking shit about Instagram when like most of us have only benefited from it. But I, I think that there's just like the human error of it all is that you have to like, and I'm not like this, so it doesn't bother me, but so many people I know are like, so triggered by Instagram. I need to be that. And it's like, like I have like a nice little 150,000 
followers, which to some people is so much and to a lot of people is nothing. And I'm like, I don't even want this number to grow because like all of those people are like my full friends, even though they're strangers. And that's like a really yummy community and I'm comfortable there. I'm not like, oh, I need millions of followers. And that's like, I think it's a, it's a point that everybody needs to get the fuck. Scott, you got to approach all of this with a healthy aspect because it'll just and I'll be honest die. with you. Part of the reason I left LA and came to Texas was I saw myself getting lost in shit that I didn't want to get lost in. I was like, dude, Deepika, this isn't you. Like you care about your family. You care about this company and all the noise of LA you don't actually give a shit about. And I, I, I think I needed to, who knows? I could end up back there again for whatever reason, but I needed to take a step back and ground myself and say like, P.S., what you're doing is enough and you don't have to start four other businesses to be success. <laughs> which by the way, like that's, that is how my brain thinks we've been programmed to think is like, okay, what's next? What's next? Mm-hmm. What about the now? I am so proud that we're launching our fourth product in, the, in a month. And it's like, why are we in such a rush? I, if there's any takeaway from this, it's like, I just want everyone to feel like slow down and live your life. So speaking of that, you're on your fourth product. Yeah. Yay. It's everything is clean. Everything's clean, vegan, cruelty free, and just very inclusive. And we, we make sure that like, this is the thing. I feel like everyone feels like you have to launch 101 foundations to be considered an inclusive brand. And like, truly it's just about equal representation. That's all people want. They want to be seen. If you're going to do X amount of shades on one end of the spectrum, do the same amount on the other end of the spectrum. Like I know. I don't know. I, there are so many times where I'll look at, or like brands will send me something and I'll look at the shades and I'm like, I'm white and I'm noticing how many shades you're missing here. And I'm like good in a lot of your, cause I'm pale as fuck. So I'm really good with all of your like pasty colors because my mom is from Denmark and I have no, I'm like very, very pale. I can't even tan. So yeah. And I, and so, okay. So on your fourth product and do you like have a lot more launching this year? Are you baking it snow? Like are you taking it slow? Like what's your game plan there? It's my favorite part of the job. And you know, the first few years, again, like I didn't want to just launch. I, the world has enough makeup and beauty products out there. I didn't want to be a brand who was just like, let me launch launch an eyeliner. Like, I want every single product we carry to be a hero skew that has a purpose in people's lives and they touch it and they feel it and they feel the purpose and intent behind it. And that is exactly what's going to happen this year. There's, 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 we're going to, yeah, the whole product innovation pipeline is completely different. We're launching products every few months and I'm so excited and we're talking to retailers. I mean, it's just all happening. And my ultimate dream is for this brand to change because it's personal to me is to one day take this brand to India and change the entire paradigm of colorism in India. Um, and that is like such a deep rooted thing for me because of growing up and hiding from the sun and wanting to look a certain, look, your skin color was my dream. And mm-hmm. I just, I really just one day want a billboard in India that just says like unfair and lovely because there was a bleaching cream on my parents. Uh, like my mom had this bleaching cream called fair and lovely on her. No. Kitchen. Yeah. And it was, and so in my, in my fair and lovely number one beauty product in in India, it's like a multi, I think, I think it's a billion dollar skew. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Still now. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot of work to be done. And I, I, you know, India is getting there and I think 
My, so how the, do you feel about so much work being done here? So that's like, obviously, okay, makes sense. Like, you're like, I got to go there now. I got to go there now. I got to go there. I've always felt that, but I think timing, again, like timing is everything. I feel like it truly is my purpose to change what's happening there. And in so many other countries around the world, I'm recognizing like this narrative of colorism is, is, is global and, and we can do so much. So I am more excited about speeding up the product development pipeline because I have so many dreams to take this brand global. And, and I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to enjoy the journey along the way. What is your favorite product you have released so far? I mean, it has to be the Hue stick because it's so personal to me. It's Mm -hmm. the, it's yeah. a multi-stick and a color corrector all in one. And it's, but what's going to be my favorite product is releasing this summer. And it all ties back to this, all what we're talking around colorism and just a, my narrative, my whole life. And I'm just so excited. <laughs> Don't you feel oh, so nice. lucky to do your job? Yeah. And I have a lot of stuff that I need to work on. <laughs> I'm just, my days are going by fast. Well, and yeah. kind I mean, of like in the middle of giving birth so like it's I know, but then like what happens when she's here? Like how is that supposed to work? I don't yeah. you know what I mean. It's not like it's a lot. can we talk about the process of you of you freezing your eggs? Cause yeah. I am such an advocate for this, or at least like and they do sponsor the podcast, but they sponsor the podcast because I had the founder on, but like it is impossible to go to a doctor and just be like, Hey, can you just like run some tests to make sure everything's going well? Cause like I'm an entrepreneur and like I'm single and I just want to make sure the same way I take care of my business and myself and every other aspect that like this situation will be okay for me. And doctors just won't. This is why I'm such an advocate for like modern fertility and then finding out if it's, if you do need to freeze your eggs or if you have like, yeah. you know, it's like, so how did that journey start for you? Also, who's the sponsor of the podcast? I didn't even know. Oh, I'm saying it's one of our, it's just modern fertility. Like this is yeah, why yeah, I work yeah. with them because I was like, if I had them on and then I was like, if you want to, you know, whatever, this is just, I, I, I want to be able to give a discount code to people because you have to take this test. Totally. Um, I think for me, I spent my entire twenties working. I, I hadn't dated anyone in six years. And I just found myself like, it was part of the lonely factor of why I left LA. I was like, Hey, Deepika, like you don't want to wake up at 40 and have all your career goals happen and then realize you have nobody to like spend it with or celebrate Mm -hmm. it. And and I, I kind of woke up one day and I was like, my sister had my now nephew and it just like really sparked me to be like, you want this so badly one day and it's not going to be right now. And that's okay because chapters of life happen differently for everybody. Absolutely. Um, but again, like, you know, from the, the, I do feel very fortunate that I could afford to do it. And so like, I, I, there was really no reason to not when I thought about it that way. It's like, it's two weeks of my life, which I'm going through right now. I have to do my shot right after this and they suck. They're Mm -hmm. really not fun. It makes me realize every day I'm injecting myself. I'm like, man, women are incredible. Like Mm -hmm. we are just incredible beings. Like the fact that you have a daughter growing inside of you. I mean, it's just like all of this is so surreal to me. And yeah, you know, I never wanted to feel pressured to, especially from again, immigrant parents who they, I remember I heard my uncle said this to me, like, you've done great in your career, Deepika, but your womanhood is not completed until you get married and have kids. Like focus your energy on that now. (laughs) And I, I know he was coming from a good place, but at the same time, I just really, really have seen so many people in my life just jump into marriages because they felt like they were supposed to do that. And I never wanted to live my life in a way that was 
done because I was supposed to do that. And I'm documenting my process of getting my eggs frozen because there's so much taboo. And I know in the South Asian community, at least of like doing this, it's like, what, by doing this, you're basically saying you're putting off having children. And I'm like, that is correct. That is what I'm doing. (laughs) Yes. Well, you're going against what is fundamentally a huge part of your culture. Yeah. Which is fucking awesome. (laughs) I just think it's important that, again, I feel like I'm sure you're you're motivated motivated by the same thing as like, I feel like I have this purpose to show people and it fulfills me truly to say like, just me living my life and sharing it with others can hopefully inspire people to go live their authentic life who maybe mm-hmm. don't have that same, that need that little bit of a push. And, and it's really nice. And it, honestly, maybe it's selfish of me because it's really fulfilling to see people to tell me like, thank you because of you, I'm going to go look into it. And, and now I don't feel rushed to have children with this awful boyfriend of mine or something, you know, like it's your, you just saved your, your life because life <laughs> is, life is short, but life is long. And so to be stuck with someone that you, um, all my friends got married. All my friends I grew up with went to SC, which is like the equivalent of where you went. So yeah, it was like, go to school to find your husband, get married after college. And like for in my group of friends getting married at 32 was fucking crazy. They were already on their second children, you know? How did you meet your husband? Okay, we can talk about this offline too, but I love it. <laughs> he DM'd me on Instagram. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Yeah, I, I am so. I looked through my DMs the other day, and I was like, "It is all women." <laughs> I have all women in my DMs, but it's great. It's great for business, and I love them all. But it's like, damn, not even one dude is trying to. I didn't have LPA at that point. Like I was working. Like I what it was. It was five years ago. So that my like Instagram narrative was very different. It wasn't okay. like it, I was like single and clearly out there, and like it wasn't so heavily like work focused. It, it was different. Okay. Got the it, energy got was different. Okay. Okay. So I wouldn't, it's, it's not, it's not a fair comparison <laughs> Okay. because I think men get, well, they are like, I can't imagine being a man and looking at your Instagram, how intimidated I would be. I, so you I gotta be easy very, with that. It's not very like, Oh, make like, I'm not like this and just being like, come holler. <laughs> like, yeah. It was like a full selfie. I'd been like, just come my hair done. And it was like a sexy selfie. So it, it which is what my life was at the time. I was so single. I love, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Where can people find you if they don't already follow you? Cause you have a lot of followers. My handle is <laughs> D E P I C A on Instagram and YouTube. And then live tinted L I B E T I N T E D on LiveTinted.com. How often do you film YouTube videos? Well, great question. That's like so much work. I can't, you, the amount of work you're doing is unbelievable. I've been trying to film YouTube videos for six months. Um, so YouTube is the, is the hardest thing for me because I've lost it in inspiration and excitement because running a company is a full-time job. Yeah. And so I actually just said this in an interview the other day. I was like, you know, it's really hard to stay motivated on like the Deepika business I have. And so I haven't really done, I just, I just post whatever comes to me that day. But I recognize they're both important because both of them are solving the same kind of purpose I feel I have of representation. They feed each other too. They feed each other. And I also know that like me continuing to do what I'm doing, I just, I now realize I have to reinvent it. I'm not the girl that's going to do makeup tutorials anymore. That's not who I am. I did it for a period of life. And now I want to shift to more vlogs and just sharing my narrative of egg freezing and things like that, because that's that's where I'm at in life. And you got to, you got to, if you don't find joy in something, you got to pivot. Yeah. 
my favorite word. You, There's been so many of my favorite topics and words have come up in this podcast. This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I, I love, love a pivot. Also, I feel like we should do this again in like six months. Yep. I'm going to have a podcast at some point and I'm going to come to LA and we're going to do it when the world is fine and safe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on here. Thanks for having me, girl. Thank I you. Feel better. Thank you. I am just <laughs> being pregnant and enjoy the snow in Austin. What? The snow in Austin is actually like, it's like, it's like everyone is just like, oh, <laughs> but it's pretty dope. Yeah. So cool. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao.